everybody and welcome to a new episode of Evie's Korean Drama Podcast Show. My name is Evie, I'm your host, and I am a K-drama obsessive. So this is the show where I waffle on about all of the K-drama that I love. If you'd like to support the show, you can check out my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Evie Korean Drama Podcast. There you will find extra podcast episodes and updates on what I'm watching at the moment. Also, just before I get started, please be warned that I do swear a little bit on this show when I get excited. And when I'm talking about K-drama, I always get excited. Alright, so I thank you very, very much for listening and let's get on with the K-drama show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to my K-drama show. I am especially excited this week because it is actually episode 100 of this show, which is kind of bonkers and super, super exciting for me. Um, Because it is episode 100, I have a, I think really, really exciting episode lined up for you guys today. It's a really, really fun one, something that I had so much fun putting together and listening to all the recordings. And I am just so excited (laughs) to share this with everybody else. Um, So this episode, basically to celebrate being episode 100, is a guest gabble episode. So what I've done is I, um, so I have a Patreon uh, for the show and I have quite a lot of incredibly lovely people who chose to support the show on Patreon. Um, So what I did was I put out a little call out um, and asked everybody a question and asked anybody who wanted to, um, to come on the show basically and have a chat about a particular theme and question that I asked. Um, And that's what this show is. So this show this week is all about how different people got into K-drama, which I don't know about everyone else. I am endlessly fascinated by this particular question because I know obviously some people who love K-drama or maybe are listening to this podcast, like maybe you grew up with K-drama. Maybe it's been, you know, a part of your life and your family since, you know, before you kind of even really maybe connected with it yourself on an addicted sort of level. I don't know. But I think for a lot of listeners too, who are living outside Korea, um, they might've grown up in an environment where K-drama wasn't a thing that they knew about at all and no one around them knows about it. And yet somehow they've still managed to find it in this big wide world and fall in love with K-drama and become irreversibly addicted. I feel like I just talked about my own story there. (laughs) Um, K-drama has truly changed my life. And I think particularly the last couple years that have been, you know, they haven't been the best years, right? For I think a lot of people. Um, K-drama is just such a joy and comfort for me. It just I honestly love it so much. And I think what I'm so excited to share in this episode is other people talking about their own K-drama journeys and how, 
I guess, how they've become addicted and how K-drama makes them feel. And my favourite thing is the passion that you can hear in people's voices when they talk about this topic. Oh, it's so cool. Okay, so the question that I asked everyone on Patreon was, how did you get into K-drama? Did you grow up watching it or are you new to it? What was your gateway K-drama slash or K-dramas? And was there a moment you knew you were addicted. So um, I'm basically just going to hand it over now to the very, very lovely guests for this episode 100. And I'm going to just play them all in a row. Um, What I am going to do is, um, oh, I guess before I do that, I just want to say a huge shout out and a huge thank you Honestly, thank you so much to all those people who have chosen to support the show on Patreon. It is super, super nice and it's so encouraging to me to know that people like this really weird thing that I do and like my waffling and it certainly encourages me to continue. And I was so excited to have so many people interested in participating in this episode 100 guest gabble as well. So thank you all so very much and also a special shout out this week to new Patreon uh, supporter Maya Chinta. Thank you so much, Maya. Um, all right, so I'm just going to get straight into the show now um, and play everyone in a row. And then I'll pop back up at the end with my own little story, even though I feel like I've talked about that on the podcast way too many times. But I don't know, if you want to listen to it again, you can. (laughs) Um, But first up, so everyone who sent in recordings um, introduces themselves with their names, um, except for Liliana. So I'm going to play her first. This is Liliana. um, So you can listen to Liliana's K-drama journey first, and then we'll just roll in for all the others. Thank you all so much for taking part in the show. I'm so appreciative of your time making these really gorgeous recordings that I love to listen to so much. And I really hope that other listeners will enjoy it as much as I did. All right, next up, Liliana. Evie and fellow podcast listeners. First of all, I'd just like to say I hope everyone's keeping safe in their corner of the world. Um, I know it's been a crazy year, but uh, hey, at least we've all got K-dramas to see us through. Um, So Lee Evie's question for this waffle pod uh, was what was your gateway K-drama? And for me to answer this, um, it's a little bit of a round away uh, because I actually didn't start with K-drama. So when I was about 16, 17, I uh, started watching a lot of anime. I um, started dating someone who watched anime. So um, the fir- my first contact with Asian entertainment in general was, you know, Japanese anime. And from there, um, I actually just for a long, long time, I watched a lot of anime just because the stories are fascinating in terms it's, it's so different from Western cartoons and whatnot. Um, and then I think it was the very, very end of 2018, December. I remember this because I was actually on holiday. It was Christmas break and I was on holiday and um, it came um, up on Netflix. And because I watched a lot of anime, they actually suggested a Chinese drama for me. 
and that year we were pretty low key at home and there was not much for us to do i had already um done all that i needed to do because um actually portuguese and christmas time is all about the food <laughs> so i'd actually cooked and done everything that i needed to do um for that time so um i uh, i decided oh why not and netflix actually suggested the chinese drama ashes of love now ashes of love is 63 episodes long <laughs> they threw me right into the deep end and I thought, oh, this looks interesting. It has fantasy and epic romance, which is exactly what I used to love and watch in general. At that point, Western TV just wasn't doing it for me anymore. The long dragged out seasons and, you know, the roundabout ways of them going round and round the same story. It just wasn't, you know clicking for me anymore so i was actually reading a lot and when i read i love to read urban fantasy and you know all that sort of genre so i as soon as i clicked on it the trailer came up and i was like well this looks really interesting it looks you know there's fantasy there's love there's you know i want to know what's going on and i sat down and the next thing i knew it's seven o'clock in the morning and i've watched this show non-stop and I actually ended up binging all 63 episodes in three days and I was like whoa <laughs> well that was a ride that was a crazy wild ride and I was like I actually love this so as soon as I watched that first Chinese drama Netflix kept churning things at me and the second one that it um suggested for me to watch was another chinese drama called love o2o and that's got gaming and love stories and it's pretty pretty popular of a drama and then because i watched that one it suggested strong girl du bong soon and that was my first k drama now in hindsight now looking back at it it can be a bit of a problematic k drama it has you know a lot of questionable things in it however Park Bo Young and Park Young Sheik together are adorable and there's no denying it and that's what sold me on this drama but also the bonkers of it there's murder there's you know a crazy strong girl who's this tiny little adorable human being and yet she kicks grown men to the curb and i was fascinated not only it didn't bother me as much because i started an anime this pulled a lot of those anime feelings that i'd always watched and grew you know had been watching for the past 10 years or so so it really did not bother me like the crazy plots um it actually made me really enjoy it so that was the first drama and um my first k drama and after that i don't even remember what the second one was i remember those three in that specific order because they were my first three and they you know still hold a very very special place um strong woman do bong soon for being my first korean drama and ashes of love for being my first um asian drama in general so after that, I don't think, I think I was hooked right from 
Ashes of Love. I mean, I binged the show in three days and there was no going back. And I was like, oh, what's the next one? That was my first thought. And actually, it took me a really long time to go from Ashes of Love to the next show just because I was so much in this world. There was so much to discover. And then once Strong, I came to watch Strong Woman Do Wrong soon, I you know, I then kept churning K-drama after K-drama after K-drama, and then a good few months afterward, I stumbled across BTS and K-pop, and I just went more into the world of idol actors and watching, you know, all of these idols on my screen. So I actually... I think I've been addicted for a long time. I mean, I've binged and watched so much at this point from, you know... Chinese to Korean um, and everything in between so yeah that's my that's how I came to love and adore Asian dramas in general and not only the um, not only what I'm you know the stories and the actors that I'm seeing on my screen but also the culture I really really enjoy the culture that they put on screen and the food I am a huge foodie and that is a big draw to me so um I love watching all of that on my screen I don't think I've actually watched a western drama in well, ever since I started um, really, really, really being into Asian drama in general, I just don't feel the appeal, but I was uh, I was already losing the appeal for it anyways. So yeah, that's my uh, little story of how I stumbled upon uh, Asian dramas in general. I hope you've enjoyed that and um, everyone keeps safe and um, I hope everything is getting slightly better on your corner of the world uh, and keep safe. Bye! Hi Lee, Evie and everyone, this is Allie and I'm so happy to be a part of this. I'm sure like the rest of you this podcast feels like a chat with friends and I'm a little sad I never get to chime in. So how I got into K-dramas, it all started when in my YouTube feed, a video by Asian Boss came up with a title along the lines of, are Korean men as tall and handsome as they are portrayed in K-dramas? Now, I didn't actually watch that YouTube video right away, but being tall myself, this concept of attractive men did get lodged in the back of my brain. Fast forward two months later, and I'm bored and out of North American shows, and for the heck of it, search for Asian dramas on Netflix. My true first gateway drama was actually a Chinese movie called Love H2O. It's a delightful movie based on the idea of two people falling in love while playing a multiplayer online role-playing game. I know <laughs> I know this plot, plot sounds a little far-fetched, but it did resonate with me as I was a huge gamer in my 20s. I do recommend it, but I caution you to make sure you watch the movie, not the series, as the series is super boring. I was lucky to make my next show K-Drama, which is the lovable One Spring Night. It's a 16-episode show with Jung Hae-in and Ha Ji-min as the leads. It's a beautiful drama about a single dad and a girl with a boyfriend and how they fall in love. Jung Hae-in did not disappoint in the tall handsome cord category and there was fantastic chemistry with the female lead. I love the transition between shows showing the same scene from a different perspective. 
it was a novel idea for me. Um, and uh, I also found it fascinating that a country on the other side of the world could seem so relatable. It does also highlight Korean food, which looks delicious. Now, if I'm talking about One Spring Ride, I do have to mention my second K-drama, which was Something in the Rain. Now, for folks that have watched both, you would know that the cast is almost identical apart from a different female lead. Both shows also play English songs and repeat those songs over and over. This did give me a skewed sense of what K-dramas were initially. They felt slightly low budget when it came to the soundtracks. And because it was all the same actors, I didn't fully comprehend the magnitude of the K-drama world. <laughs> the moment I knew I was officially hooked was a couple months later when I started looking for other streaming sites because Netflix, back in 2019, just didn't have enough content. <laughs> I double knew I was hooked when I committed to a year of a premium subscription to Vicky. So thank you, Evie, for having me on your show. Over to the next person. Hi, this is Shade, and I'm going to share the story of how I became a K-drama obsessive. A few people had recommended Korean dramas to me, and I wasn't interested because I barely watched TV. I used to watch um, just reruns of shows that I had already loved, like The West Wing or The O.C. or Veronica Mars. And even though I had like a Netflix account, I didn't really watch anything new on there. Um, I would sort of go on, scroll for five minutes, maybe watch Grey's Anatomy, which I've seen before, um, and then just opt out so there wasn't anything modern that was really grabbing my attention and um, I'm not even sure what it was that prompted me to watch Crash Landing on You which was the first Korean drama I watched but it was coming up in my algorithm in March of 2020 um, and I guess for some reason it grabbed my attention and I thought let me give it a try and I watched the first episode and it was the first episode there's a lot happening so I don't know that I was gripped after the first one but by the second one I was definitely hooked like it was so beautifully shot the actors are all gorgeous um, the script is just you know it's fast-paced it's clever it's funny um, I was I love this budding love story I love the secondary characters and their friendships and their relationships and how warm the whole thing is and this you know this village life um, and just this also this society that I hadn't seen before and didn't really know anything about it was just intriguing um so you know I was powering through these episodes and they 16 episodes and they're about 90 minutes long um and so you know they and and I didn't realize that you can't stop watching at the end of an episode because everything ends on a cliffhanger so I'd be hooked and watching episode after episode and going to bed at 4 a.m. in the morning and then barely able to function the next day at work and I was in tears and there was laughter and everything because the whole thing's so emotional um, and all, all the way through to the end which was so satisfying um, but I was an emotional wreck like every emotion just wrung out of me <laughs> and I was just like this thing was so fantastic and like the best piece of tv that I've seen in so long um, and just was like amazed by it but I thought well, this must be a one-off. Like other Korean dramas can't be this good. How would you hit this standard again? And I watched um, Chocolate and Holo and they weren't that great. I thought the production values were really good again, but I think the stories were lacking. So I wasn't, you know, wasn't, they, 
it wasn't torn by by those ones but then i watched something in the rain because sonia jin had been in crash landing on you and so i wanted to watch more of her work and i really loved that at least up until episode 12. um rookie historian was amazing because this is my first life romance is a bonus book like it was just like home run after home run after home run and i'm like wow Korean dramas are amazing. And so then I was all in and I was just watching them obsessively. Um, and then I realized like I'd reached a new level of obsession when I went to visit my family in the UK and then realized that they had Descendants of the Sun, which we didn't have in Canada. And I thought, oh, wow, so they've got Korean dramas that we don't have here. So friends had um, suggested to me that I get a VPN in the past. And I'm like, I don't need it. I don't watch enough TV to justify. And they were like, look, if you don't love Canadian TV, you can access more content. But I'm like, I don't think that there's anything anywhere that I really want to be watching. But this was no longer true. So I got VPN and now I could watch Healer and My Love from the Star and W. So I watched my way through UK Netflix and US Netflix and South Korean Netflix. And then I'm like, right, I need to go to the next level of obsession where somebody needs to check me into a facility because then I got Vicky <laughs> so I could watch even more dramas. And you know what? I'm so unapologetic about it. I freaking love Korean dramas and um, and I'm constantly talking about it to friends. Um, I just put a top 10 of my favorite K-dramas on my Instagram and I'm sure my friends are shaking their heads like what has happened to this girl? But I'm like, one day you will understand the good news, the gospel message that I'm sharing with you. So, you know, until that day, it's cool. I'll keep on banging on about it, but I am a K-drama obsessive and I absolutely love it. Hi, Evie and everyone. I hope you all are doing well, um, wherever you are. Um, my name is Curlin. I've always wanted to do one of these guest gavels. This is so exciting. Um, but I just never have seemed to have the time. So since this is the 100th episode, I just wanted to share how much the this podcast as well as K-dramas have brought so much joy into my life in the recent years I've started watching them. So... I was introduced to K-dramas back in 2017 when I read a book by Maureen Gu. I've actually told Evie this story before, uh, but I read a book by Maureen Gu called I Believe in a Thing Called Love, and it's about a girl named Desi where she creates a list of things that she's seen in K-dramas to help her get a boyfriend and a bunch of shenanigans ensue and I can't tell you much more about it because I haven't read that book in a while but um, essentially the way I was introduced to K-dramas is that at the end of the book Maureen Gu has inserted this sort of like intro to K-drama guide per se so uh, it essentially has like different genres and if you like thriller or if you like romantic comedy or if you like whatever but obviously for me I immediately went to the romance portion of the guide and I was going to start healer but at the time I was in college and I had a lot of things going on with school and also my interests were pretty occupied with me also just learning about k-pop <laughs> and so um k-dramas kind of took a back burner 
And so I said immediately after the spring and summer semester, I would start the K-drama healer. I'm sorry, I'm assuming that you all already know this K-drama I'm talking about, but healer is a drama that stars Park Bin Young and Ji Chung Wook, where Park Bin Young plays a reporter and Ji Chung Wook plays a undercover courier. He does anything for that for anyone that pays him and he's saving that money up to buy an island and that's the rough (laughs) um summary of that show that i remember i didn't actually start healer initially i actually had started strong woman do wrong soon which stars oh my god park bo young and park young chic and i loved that drama when i initially watched it um it was everything i had wanted to see in a show but had only read in books and so it was so exciting for me to see park young shik's character be so giddy about bong soon like he was just like one of my favorite scenes and i'm pretty sure if you've seen that drama you've seen this scene like a thousand times um but it's when they're texting at night and like parking shit kicks his feet on the bed <laughs> and after um bong soon i'm sorry i don't remember parking shit's character's name and um bong soon sends him a text where um it's her face with this filter thing and he like kicks his feet on the bed and i'm just like oh my god this boy is in love (laughs) and that was like the first time i had ever seen that in a show i think at that moment i realized i was hooked because i wanted to watch more dramas that displayed love and romance in this way so i decided to watch a few more things that um parking chick had been in and since at the time i was also into k-pop i decided to watch a drama that one of the bts members was in um that parking chick is also in um it's called twarang and that show is a historical that probably nobody has seen <laughs> except for bts fans but um that show introduced me also to park sojun and i decided to watch a few other things that he had been in and from that point on my drama watching just consisted of seeing characters or actors that really um interested me and then i would watch something else that they had been in and i really wanted um to talk to someone anyone about it um but i don't really have anyone to talk about k-dramas and so i one day and this was like in 2019 no oh no no it wasn't it was in 2020 um so i had just started the k-drama um crash landing on you as it was airing and i told myself if i could find anyone that is like talking about this drama or talking about any drama i would be so grateful and so i looked up k drama podcast on spotify and i was so shocked that so many um k drama podcasts existed and i j- didn't really know that people actually shared their interests online like i don't know like i didn't 
realize that people um, talked about K-dramas on podcasts. And it was like the first time I was able to hear other people's thoughts on the K-dramas I had been watching. And um, I was able to find Evie's podcast. And I'm just so grateful to um, listen to your podcast every week and dive into the different K-dramas you speak on. Um, You're a really great storyteller if anyone has ever um, told you that. Um, And I don't really have, just to give more context, I don't really have um, social media. So um, podcasts, well, this podcast actually was the first time I was able to hear someone else's thoughts on the K-dramas I had been watching. And this podcast came at a time in my life when I felt so alone and undervalued. And I don't think you'll ever really know how much um, this podcast has helped me as well as K-dramas have helped me. Um, But uh, it's something that has really changed my life in the recent years I have been watching them. They've brought me so much joy taking me out of really bad places and help me learn so many different things about life, love, family, and happiness. Um, ah, man. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think I'm done here. Um, I hope you guys continue to be, continue to enjoy K-dramas as much as I do. And I hope um, wherever you are, and whatever you're doing, that you all continue to be encouraged in whatever endeavors that you are um, caring about in your lives. Thank you so much for your time. Hi, Leigh, Evie, and podcast listeners. My name's Lizzie. And I'm very happy to be back on the guest gavel uh, talking about how I got into Korean dramas. Um, So my beginning was about five years ago. And I started because a friend of mine told me about a show she was watching on Netflix that she was really enjoying. It was a really cute sort of high school romance show. It was actually Japanese uh, called Good Morning Call. And the premise of that show was that these two high school students, one was the really popular aloof uh, character. The other one was the sort of sweet, um, you know, slightly silly, a little bit dumb, um, you know, unpopular girl at school. They end up inadvertently living together when a landlord each rents them an apartment that they think they're just renting themselves. Um, And so they decide to live together somewhat reluctantly because they don't have much other option, but they have to keep it all sort of hidden from everyone at school and, you know, because they might be judged for living together at such a young age. And of course, you know, the romance develops. It's really sweet and lovely. And uh, I just found myself gobbling up the episodes. Uh, I just kept reaching for the next one and I'd never seen an Asian drama before. So it was a real sort of, um, you know, eye opener to realize just how um, how much I enjoyed it. So when it finished, uh, I found, you know, the way that Netflix suggests to you what, uh, you know, what you could watch next. It suggested a K drama to me. Uh, the K drama was called Mischievous Kiss, and that was a twenty ten um, again high school drama. I think it was based on either a Chinese or Japanese. Um, 
drama um, and it's been remade by you know in multiple countries over the years um, so this was the Korean version and I really loved it even though I look back on it now and it was pretty bad um, like the lead male was incredibly arrogant and dismissive and pretty unlikable actually for quite some part of the drama the girl, similar to Good Morning Call, was quite sweet and loving but not too bright. Um, and so that sort of makes sense to me that those sort of archetypes, which were the ones in Good Morning Call, that's probably why Netflix suggested this one to me being quite similar in that way. Um, so it, it was a sweet romance. Um, I really enjoyed it. Once again, I just wanted to keep watching and keep watching and keep watching. Um, and I thought the lead guy was super handsome. Um, and he's actually the second male lead from Boys Over Flowers. So I know now that there's actually a lot of controversy about him. I believe he was violent towards his girlfriend and it all ended up in court and got pretty ugly. Um, but at the time I didn't know any of that. I just thought he was really good looking. Um, and so I, you know, then wanted to follow what was, what were other dramas that he was in, which led me to Boys Over Flowers. Uh, which is also another nutty, kooky, but um, adorable, you know, I don't know if adorable is the right word. It was just, you know, I loved, I loved every second of it, even though there were parts of it I could recognise were really bad um, even then, but it was just like, I don't know, like a really good um, trashy novel, <laughs> you know. Um, so yeah, so I, I think what I realised pretty quickly is that, that these dramas, K-dramas or Asian dramas in general, have a a tendency to put romance front and center and I really loved that because I think that that's something that's just missing from a lot of western dramas that I've been watching um you know I, I remember the era really the really good era with western films um for romance was the 90s when they made a lot of fantastic rom-coms and I used to love to go and see those and watch them over and over again. Um, but I feel like the Western dramas have really lost their way, Western movies, shows. I don't know, romance always just seems to be a bit on the back foot or it's kind of like people hopping in and out of bed together, but there's not a lot of substance to the relationships. They very rarely sort of examine the evolution of a relationship with the, the same touch that a K-drama does. And that's what I loved about it so much. Um the only thing that I, I didn't like in um, Mischievous Kiss at the time was the kiss scenes. And what I realised is that a lot of youth dramas, I mean, I now know I didn't at the time. I was like, what is going on? That with a lot of youth dramas, they kind of, um, the way they kiss is kind of like two mannequins pressing their faces together. Like there's no movement. They look like stunned mullets. Often it implies to me that one or the other of them is not really that into it <laughs> um, because they don't move their lips at all so I really didn't like that and I was kind of like what is that about <laughs> um then luckily I discovered some K-dramas where they do proper kissing and that was much more satisfying. Um, but nonetheless, that was kind of my pathway into K-dramas. Um, so yeah, I guess my gateway drama in that case was Mischievous Kiss. Um, certainly not the best drama I've ever seen, um, but it was enough to kind of get me over the line into watching a lot more K-dramas. Um, so when did I know that I was addicted? I think it was the moment that I started looking up the actors uh, on Google to see what else they had done uh, or Googling things like uh, what is a drama as good as 
whatever the most recent one was that I'd watched because I knew often as I was approaching the end of that episode, you know, sorry, of the, of the episodes of a particular drama, I'm thinking, um, oh, my Venus is one of them that I was just loving so much and it was getting towards the end. And I was like, oh, no, oh, my God, it's going to finish soon and I need something to replace it. I, I just, you know, I can't let go of this lovely romantic story without having another one to replace it. So, you know, that's when I started Googling what's a drama as good as... Um, to, to sort of find what next drama I would watch. So that I sort of realised at that point, like I'm well and truly addicted. Um, and I think also because I, I, as I've mentioned, I'm a massive lover of romance stories and I think that K-dramas really do deliver that in spades and they do it in a way that is so often exactly to my taste. So, you know, they're not, the dramas are just not self-conscious about being sentimental. They're unabashedly romantic they don't try to be too sexy or provocative or edgy, although, you know, I don't mind that sometimes, but I actually just really like the kind of tropey, sentimental, sweet romances that just make you feel all tingly and lovely um, and swoony, you know, that's that's what they sort of give to you. Um, at the time, I used to use the app Drama Fever, so I don't know whether um, a lot of you are aware of that one or used it yourself, And you know, but that was just such an eye-opener to me in terms of just suddenly having access to hundreds of dramas you know, that I could just watch on my iPad, and I used, to, um, I used to watch them secretly, like with my headphones plugged in, and I'd be knitting on the couch uh, next to my husband, and we'd be watching something else on the television ostensibly, but I actually had a gay drama playing on my lap and hidden from view um that I was watching and um you know until I decided look I actually have nothing to be embarrassed about um in watching these shows and I can just just damn well watch them if I want to and he just laughed at me but um after that I started watching them sort of out in the open but uh, it was quite funny um yeah, I tried some Chinese dramas as well, and I found some of them that I really loved. And my favourite one was called, I think I think the Chinese version was called Fated to Love You. The Korean version was certainly called Fated to Love You, and I also loved that one. Um, and that was just one of those dramas that had like a really sort of farcical, meet-cute situation, um, you know, forced them together by circumstances, lots of misunderstandings, lots of... Um, or not lots of, but a sort of a tragic situation that they have to overcome, pulls them apart, they bring back to, you know, brings them back together. And then this really romantic sort of falling in love and coming together and, and ending up with this hilarious proposal scene, um, which was also super romantic. And I just loved that one so much. And so then I thought, oh, I wonder if there's a Korean version of that. So I, uh, I went in search of that and found, yes, there was a Korean version of that one. So I had to watch that too. And I loved that as well, even though it was different, it made some changes, but it was also really good. Um, and then Drama Fever actually closed down. I think it was around for about nine years and then they closed it down with something to do with mergers with Warner Brothers or something like that that I think I was reading and um and so I I you know I thought oh, no you know what am I gonna watch dramas on now and then it was around that time that Netflix really started upping its offerings of k-dramas and um and it was just like there were just more and more and more every week and suddenly my my feed my you know my home page of, of um 
of Netflix was just full of nothing but Korean dramas. Um, and they were suggesting, you know, more and more that I loved and I found more that were even better and super good quality and amazing storytelling. And so I just sort of fell deeper and deeper in love with K-dramas. Um, so that's my story and my journey uh, into K-dramas. I don't think I'm ever going to leave K-dramas. I think it's a forever love affair. Um, and, you know, I know you all feel the same way, but... Um, yeah, they're just so wonderful, aren't they? They're just such great stories and told so well. Um, so thanks everyone for listening to me waffle on <laughs> um, about uh, my my uh, origin story <laughs> with K-dramas and um, I'm looking forward to hearing about all of yours as well. Okay, bye. Hi, my name's Jerry Hertel, and I'm a K-drama fan and one of Lee's Patreons. Um, I'm delighted to be asked to do another guest gab. I uh, have a little bit of time behind my belt, so I've, I've watched a few of these now, and I'm starting to recognize the ones that I really like versus the ones I just watched because I didn't know what was going on. So the two shows I wanted to talk about, one is the um, Mr. Queen, and that uh, stars Shin Hai Sun, and she is just remarkable, both as an actress and as a woman. She has to, she's a man inside a woman's body, and so everything she does is manlike until you remember that, no, she's supposed to be feminine. So there's this constant um, sort of back and forth in her own mind about, oh my gosh, what am I going to do now? You know, I'm I'm a, a man. I'm a man in modern time. And he gets put back into this ancient history with this in this woman's body. But the woman is a high-ranking official, and so she's a princess, I think, and she gets to order people about and get what she wants done. Um, the fun thing about this movie was there were a lot of people uh, who I've seen in other movies, so that was nice. Um, and it was just really, overall, it was a really nice story. Um, you know, they had their ups and downs, but um, I I thought I thought it was worth watching. The other one is uh, Live Up To Your Name, and that one stars uh, uh, Nam Gil Kim. He is hilarious. And the the first moment you start watching the film, he is polishing his needles. He's an acupuncturist, and he will become the major. Uh, writer for what acupuncture is and how to use it in this in this time, but in the moment he's just a very skilled um, acupuncturist. But when he is sharpening his um, needles, he does it kind of low and kind of fast, and the image is not exactly what you would expect it would be for sharpening a needle. <laughs> it looks like he's doing something else. And so right out of the gate, you have this sort of uh, misfit man who is doing what he's got to do, but really doesn't connect with what other people see of him or or how he's responding. And over time, uh, 
there's a story that happens and the story goes on and and he uh, ultimately changes and and grows to be a, a good person instead of sort of just a fly-by-night acupuncture person. And I think in both these movies, there were elements of that where in Mr. Queen, obviously being a man inside a, bo- a woman's body, there, nothing was, they weren't ready for anything. And as time went on in those roles, they developed who they were supposed to be and what they needed to do. And I think the same was true for Live Up to Your Name. Um, Even though he wasn't pretending to be anybody other than uh, an acupuncturist, uh, he he had an effect on a lot of people. And and if he had not done certain things, the history of Joseon and, and, and Korea would have changed because they would not have developed a lot of these techniques that they're using today as far as acupuncture is concerned and Chinese herbs and moxa and you know he was very well versed in that but if he stopped talking then people wouldn't be able to get his teachings and it it was sort of a um, backhanded and so no matter how hard they tried to get him to do it he was rebelling and not wanting to and the same was sort of true with Mr. Queen where you know she sort of stuck she she woke up and has this body and it's not hers and so she has to not only deal with the failings of the body itself you know the emotions and whatever the physical part but she's you know trying to reconcile being uh, a man in a woman's body so uh, i think for uh, both of those they had uh, a lot of there was a lot of drama the stories kept me in both of them and um, I think that by the time both of the films were over, I just had a, I was very satisfied. I had a very satisfied feeling that nothing was sort of left out and, and I had some good laughs along the way. Hello, Vicky here. Thank you, Lee Evie, for having us all on here on the guest episode. Okay, so I have been hooked on K-drama since about March last year, so 2020, and uh, that means I'm still pretty new to the party, but my first K-drama was in fact about two years prior, and around this time in my life, I didn't really watch much of anything at all as I was just too tired after putting the kids to sleep, they like cuddles to go to sleep, and even when I did get up, my husband would already be in the middle of watching something, so I would just go to bed. But one night, uh, I came out from putting the girls to bed to find my husband watching a Korean drama. He watches such a vast array of genres and it isn't unusual to find him watching a foreign series on Netflix. Sometimes um, he watches them with English dubbing over it, um, but mostly he watches them in their original form with subtitles and he watches things from all over the world, so many genres and styles of show. But on this particular night, I found myself watching a bit of what he had on. He was watching a drama called Black and I came in at around episode six. Um, So he had to give me a backstory. Uh, It is a drama with spirit swapping. There's like dark violence. There's like a violent crime unit police thing going on, I think. (laughs) I, I I might be getting my 
shows mixed up. There's obviously, you know, really funny, silly moments and the wildest twists you ever saw. But that was before I knew the essential ingredients to K-drama. So I think in reality, black is pretty run of the mill, but um, plot wise, it was pretty tight and um, not a lot of unanswered questions. But what I found most interesting and one of the things I love most um, is to watch K-dramas with my husband rather than me watching them by myself. He is just so good at predicting the outlandish and elaborate and wacky plots where my mind can see so many possibilities that just keep growing and expanding and I'm like what about this what about that this could happen he has this ability to narrow it down to what will actually happen and pretty much every time it does Um, but I do have my own little things to add I'm kind of good at guessing the next lines in the dialogue (laughs) But he is such a good sport because I love to ask him so many questions about what he thinks of this character or that character, what their motivations are, what is and isn't working for us plot or character development wise. Um, Like we really get into a good discussion about it. But I really became proper hooked on K-drama around last March. In 2020, I got quite ill and was pretty much stuck on the couch or the bed for a couple of weeks. And so I explored and watched a few more dramas by myself. Uh, Vagabond um, was one of my first ones by myself, which since then, both my husband and daughter have watched separately. Oh, my ghost. Um, And then it's pretty much a blur after that. And it wasn't long after that I needed to find a K-drama community that um, I could connect with. And that's when I found this podcast and um, Lievi's blog. And it's, yeah, I'm so glad I did. It's it's really great to see other people uh, really into something that I am into that I don't know anyone in real life who is. And uh, yeah, so I really love so many aspects of K-drama, but some of my favorites are the storytelling without dialogue. So when they're sort of just standing there and there's music and usually some tears, (laughs) Um, sometimes it drags on a little bit, but I do appreciate a scene like that. And I do love um, the anticipation of when, you know, the leading characters get together as well, I do like a bit of romance, um, although sometimes a drama doesn't need it at all. And there's so many that um, I've watched where if they didn't even bother with a romance, I would be totally fine by me. But um, it's definitely a big contrast to a lot of Western television I've seen in so many ways. Um, we've just watched some of the American series called SWAT and I have to watch it with the subtitles because it's so fast paced, they talk so fast, there's all this jargon, um, it's, the stories are resolved really quick because it's designed for television and um, usually I don't even know what's hap- happened and um, I'm still stuck at the beginning and it's already finished. Um, so also my daughters love K-drama too. They are 11 and 9 and they just love it. My oldest is in the more conspiracy and action style dramas. That's where, you know, what she really loves. And she has strongly expressed how she doesn't like a, a 
a drama that's got English, like dubbed in English, um, because you don't get the right tone of the character. And she, the other day she got me a scene of a drama and she played it to me with English dubbing and then she played it to me without. She goes, see, mum, look, you can tell what's going on so much better when you just have to like listen and read. Um, and then my youngest likes a rom-com. So she's watched What's Wrong with Secretary Kim twice now. And I've, you know, in short, I've skipped. I've, I've seen it before. So I knew which episodes to kind of skip over in terms of, you know, the dark past that all K-dramas seem to have. And so many of them would be so um, suitable for my kids to watch. But they always have that dark element that's just a little bit, you know, it would freak them out. But, you know, all in all for us, K-drama has brought my little family together, which is awesome and fun. And we've watched a few as a family. And just last night, we somebody put on the, oh, the legend of the, is it the legend of the blue sea? Oh, where she's a mermaid. <laughs> We've just started that one um, and it's also like watching K-drama as a family and talking about Korea has opened us up to, you know, just our own little research and our own little learnings about Korea and its culture and the geography that we might not have otherwise um, gotten into. So that's um, that's my story of getting into K-drama and my family getting into K-drama <laughs> and I look forward to hearing other people's stories and of how they uh, discovered and got into watching K-drama too. Bye. <laughs>
Closed off jerk Chabal son falls in love with the feisty poor girl with a heart of gold. Second male lead syndrome. Evil disapproving mother-in-law. Bullying. Wrist grabs. And more. After Boys Over Flowers, I thought my real K-drama obsession started in 2019, but looking back, I only watched six Asian dramas that year, two from China and four from Korea. I didn't really know what to watch. I watched anything. The four K-dramas were the aforementioned Boys Over Flowers, Romance is a Bonus Book, which I loved because I used to work in book publishing, The Liar and His Lover, about the K-pop industry, which no one ever talks about because it was not great. But it was Song Kang's first TV role, where he plays the second male lead. And last that year, Love of Lorm 1, also with Song Kang, where he was the first male lead. In 2019, I chatted about K-dramas with the teenage daughters of family friends. After we all fangirled about Dylan Wang in Meteor Garden, they told me I had to see My Love from the Star and that I should subscribe to Vicky. These girls grew up in a suburban city just outside of where I live in Toronto with a large South Asian community. Their families from India. They said that in their high school, everybody watched K-drama and that K-pop would play in the mornings to the whole school before the morning announcements. I found this fascinating. On to 2020. Watched a few K-dramas in the first few months of the year. Then in May, I watched Itaewon Class, the first drama I saw with Pak Si Joon. That's when I joined Vicky and watched everything else with him in it except for the movies. So for me, 2020 is when I became addicted to K-drama. I watched 27 dramas in 2020, ending with the Eamon Hotair at the end of the year, where I watched all his dramas back to back after seeing The King Eternal Monarch. Remember, I disliked him in Boys Over Flowers, so avoided anything with him in it for almost two years. For the first six weeks after COVID hit, I was sent home from my office and watched five or six hours of K-drama every night on my iPhone or my computer and eventually started walking and watching K-drama so that I wasn't sitting. Early this year, talking to a friend, she said, you should be able to find K-drama lovers online. That's when I started listening to podcasts, including Lee Evie's. Thank you, Lee Evie. In February 2021, I joined Clubhouse and suddenly there was a whole new way to engage with K-drama. If anyone doesn't know, Clubhouse is a live audio chat application where you join scheduled rooms on particular topics and raise your hands to speak, or you can just listen. There's a thriving K-drama community on Clubhouse. For example, the most recent room I joined was about the drama Nevertheless, which was still on air and is quite polarizing. So it was interesting to hear other people's opinions about that show. I've been obsessed with Nevertheless since it started airing. I also met a Korean-American adoptee on Clubhouse who the first time she came on told a moving story of discovering K-drama in the last year, how it changed her life, and her feelings about Korea after 
being adopted into a white family and growing up in the Midwestern United States. She has a great website, katturner.com, where she reviews K-drama, talks about her life and her plan to visit Korea for an extended period. In 2021, I've watched more K-dramas than any previous year, 32, even though 2021 isn't over yet. In, in one of the recaps of her private life with Park Min Young, where she plays a fangirl, the recapper wrote that any time the recapper spends more time thinking about K-drama or K-pop than thinking about her life, she feels she's in too deep and has to pull back. I don't mind thinking about K-drama as much as I do. But I ask myself these questions about whether I'm an addict. Have you binge-watched drama all night on a work night and then worked your day job on zero sleep? Yes. Have you procrastinated and watched hours of K-drama instead of doing what you're supposed to get done? Yes. Do you think about K-drama all the time? Yes. I never thought this would happen to me. I also now long to visit Korea, and I'm sure I will at some point. I envy the people who've been watching dramas for more than a couple of years. There's only so much time. I want to watch the new dramas. I want to watch the old dramas. My list is so long. Will I ever catch up? I'm not sick of K-drama yet. Thanks everyone for listening. Hello everybody, this is Lee Evie again and I'm here with special guest G. Say hello G. Hello everyone. Uh, so G normally does my guest gab episodes with me, but I've invited him on here just to chime in at the end of this episode on our topic of this season. Which is? This is episode 100. Do you know that? Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> so. What a milestone. The, thank you. It is, isn't it? Yeah. I feel very excited. <laughs> okay. So um, I'm asking you a very important question. Oh, okay. G. Yep. The question cool. is. What is your K-drama journey? My Tell us about your gateway drama in particular, but, you know, how did you get into K-drama? <laughs> Am I into K-drama? You are now. <laughs> I, I was dragged kicking and screaming against my will. <laughs> well, I guess... Um... I was held hostage by Lee Jung-kee and his <laughs> wily ways. Wily ways. <laughs> and <laughs> um, currently I've been ransomed. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds very dramatic uh, yes, and exciting and I'd like to watch that, that could drama. be a drama yeah. I'd watch that um, G has told this story before a little bit on the Patreon Waffle Pod but um, I uh-huh. don't know What's yeah the... just how you got into K-drama initially and what was your very first ever full length K-drama okay so uh, well you know my exposure to K-drama has been through you um, through your whole journey so I'm sort of just a I'm like the, the, the little guy in the sidecar of the, the motorcycle and you're driving <laughs> and I'm just sort of sitting there with my little goggles um, with the wind just like slapping me in the face. Um, the wind being, of course, K-drama. Um, <laughs> That's a really good analogy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my first full length was Time Between Dog and Wolf. Yeah. No, no, City Hunter was not. You didn't watch the whole of City Hunter. I feel like I watched a lot of it. I remember you just come in and giggle because sometimes people would say, Shitty Hunter. 
Yeah, and also the subs subs were really yeah, bad on that really one. Bad. So it was all over the place. I actually really didn't understand you for a while then because <laughs> I was like, I don't even know how like what you're watching and what this. I didn't be. know what I was. Watching you didn't know what the that, subs were. It was so like bad. watching someone watch like like reading hieroglyphics, but mm. like having no idea and just being like, they're really entertained by that. That's cool. Yeah, <laughs> well, I remember you did, must have started watching it with me towards the end. Yeah, I guess I we could work like out some things. Though the subs, like, I think they stopped working towards the end. This was on a DVD, listeners, which is <laughs> kind yeah. of old school. Digital versatile um, This is how I used to watch my K-drama. And I remember because the subs didn't exist on City Hunter, which is an old uh, Lee Min Ho drama with Park Min Young. Um, and I was actually looking it up on the internet for recaps and then telling you what was going to happen and then we'd watch it happen. Oh. Yeah, mm. it was a hard watch. Oh, that's what show. you were doing then. Yeah, yeah, okay. not now. Oh my yeah. gosh. Okay, sorry. I was. I was I'm so I... much more sophisticated now. <laughs> <laughs> I have loads of wonderful streaming sites. Oh wow! Um, no longer have to buy DVDs on eBay. <laughs> um, yeah, so you've come a long way. Thank you. Look at this hundred hundred episode milestone. I know. You know, a real person without DVDs. Not even Blu-rays, just straight up streaming. <laughs> People are going to be listening to this and like, what's a DVD? <laughs> what's a digital versatile disc? Well, let me, me tell you. No, don't tell them. Tell us about Time Between Dog and Wolf instead. There's an earring from his ear. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that's, let, that's the main point. Maybe I'll clarify. There are other points. Lee Jung Ki is in it. Fantastic performance, as always. Yes. And he's a crime guy or something. I can't even remember, really. I just so, remember he had an earring. Time Between Dog and Wolf is quite an old drama that stars the actor Lee Jong Ki. Feels like it was just yesterday. <laughs> and it is, I think it's the it's the first one that you watched in absolute full with me many many years ago. And I think it was um a birthday present for me. I was like, oh, this yeah. is what I want for my birthday. And I think we kind of marathoned it. Yeah. And that you know what? I feel like I tolerated that one a lot better than mm. even I would tolerate some K dramas now. Like mm. I don't remember being like. I think you what quite enjoyed it. What the heck is going on all the way you through? You were into it. Yeah. And it started his lifelong... Drunk? No, you weren't. Okay. <laughs> it started his lifelong love for Lee Jung Ki, the actor. Um, Which is basically the only reason I get him can get him to watch. But you know what? This now. is part of my journey. It did, like, solidify... Oh, solid, it sort of introduced me to some very, like... Or what I find as being somewhat... Uh, what's the word? Irksome... Uh, not tropes, but like archetypes. Mainly the second male, not second male, but yeah, second male lead, and and these guys who like shout a lot. Isn't mm. there a lot? Because a lot of shouty guys in dramas, not all the ones we see, but there seems to be a lot, and that really annoys me. Yeah. And I remember I, that in in this one, the character I can't remember. I think his name's Mingi. Mingi. And he was shouting a lot. He was he was really loud. So that's what you took away from that show. That was my introduction to some things that I didn't like. And it was also my introduction to Lee Jung-ki, whom I do like. So He's pretty great. Yeah. And then after that, it was Rang the Magistrate for about half. Oh, I half. think you watched with me. Yeah. Which was pretty fun. And we tried Joe's and Gunman, didn't we? Yeah, we watched a few episodes. episodes. So basically... I got annoyed with that, though. I felt like... Because you didn't kill anyone. Well, no. Oh, he, actually, he, no spoilers. Oh, no spoilers. spoilers. We don't do spoilers on this show. <laughs> <laughs> we do sometimes. <laughs> That's my journey. <laughs> and here I am. <laughs> oh, well, thank you for sharing the journey with us too. Thank really you for allowing it. me to. Yeah, this is my this is part of my journey now, being um, catapulted into the wild and wacky world of K dramas and <laughs> interacting with the K drama fans from around the world. Um, 
Hopefully they like it. <laughs> <laughs> and if they don't, we're going to keep doing we're it We're going to keep saying these things anyway. <laughs> I really love it because it gives me an excuse to make you sit down and watch K-drama with me now. That's your ulterior motive. I am going to wait until Ejim Key brings out a you're new not even drama. A- you're not even airing these. You're not that. even airing these. <laughs> You just like pretend to upload them to the interwebs, and it's yeah, just an elaborate ruse to suck me into your world of <laughs> Korean dramas, isn't it? I think you got me. Oh my gosh! All right, that's it. We're the done. veil has been lifted. <laughs> Thanks so much. The for illusion on shattered. This, this so is the penultimate <laughs> episode of our drama. <laughs> Tune in what to see what next? happens next. <laughs> More drama, probably. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on to episode 100, too. Thank you for having me. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> All right, it's me. It's Lee Evie back again. Um, and I'm by myself now. <laughs> So um, just for fun, I wanted to chime in with my own K-drama journey, my own sort of story about how I got so involved and, you know, fell in love and became ridiculously addicted to K-dramas. I do think if you're a long-time listener of the show, you might have heard this one one uh, once or twice before, but I guess guess I'm going to waffle on about it anyway, just for those who haven't heard it. Um, So feel free to skip (laughs) if you've heard this too many times. Um, So basically, Basically, I did not grow up um, surrounded by people who knew anything about K-dramas at all, um, even a little bit. So it wasn't something I really knew about. Um, But when I was a teen, uh, I was pretty obsessed with just watching any kind of international movie that I could get my hands on um, just on TV that they'd come on like really late night. And I think that was my very first ever experience with anything Korean was actually a Korean movie. And it was super late night, like, I don't know, summer holidays, school summer holidays or something um, at like, you know, 1am or something. I was just watching TV as I did. And I think I came on halfway through a... Um, Ah, uh, man, I'm totally going to forget this actor's name. Lee Byung Hyun, I think. You know, super, super famous Korean movie actor. Um, your main dude from Mr. Sunshine, basically. Um, and he's in a movie called A Bittersweet Life. So this is, you know, it's quintessential Korean gangster fare. Like, it's greedy, it's bloody, it's tragic, it's... Oh, it's got Sheen Mina in it as well, actually. Um, Sheen Mina, who is lovely. Uh, so I started watching this movie halfway through, and at this time, you I didn't know that it was Korean. I didn't know anything. I just got sucked into this story. It's a proper, like, revenge flick, and, you know, gangster goes rogue trying to protect a woman that, you know, he doesn't really have a relationship with her, but she just gives him this moment of hope, and it changes his life, basically. And he's willing to die for the idea of what that is. Um, I loved it. I was obsessed with it, but I never really knew what it was. Um, And, you know, that wasn't a gateway because I didn't really know that there was other things like that out there. It was kind of, it's going to sound crazy, it was was a little bit pre-internet. Like, I didn't have access to, like, you you know, there's no streaming. There wasn't anything like that. And I didn't know where to look to try and find similar stuff. Um, So I just kept watching my late night movies from all over the world um, and kind of forgot about A Bit of Sweet Life until I think a few years later. So I was working full time in an office and I 
we didn't have the internet at home. That sounds so crazy. Um, so working in an office with an hour lunch break and access to YouTube, I didn't have a smartphone either. I just went wild. I was like, oh my gosh, YouTube is the best thing in the world. I can watch anything I want. There's everything on here. I was, like, was obsessed with music. So I was just, you know, discovering new artists and going into music. And then I came across this little video on YouTube of um, two young people, like students wearing school uniforms, singing like some sort of pop song a cappella. So I didn't know it at the time, but this was mega famous actors, um, not so much at the time, but now certainly mega famous. Uh, the singer and actress IU, who is of course from My Ajoshi and uh, Hotel de Luna and a million other things and also Kim Soo Hyun from It's Okay to Not Be Okay and My Love from Another Star and they were both singing together dressed as you know high school kids and singing this really lovely sort of love song I suppose and I was just like what is this? So my whole life, I've always been very interested in, you know, youth stories, coming of age stuff. So like, um, you know, teen, YA, young adult, that kind of stuff. I just really love coming of age stories. So I was like, what is this? What is this weird acapella thing from? Because it certainly looked like they were characters. It looked like something that was a story. So I did a bit of Googling and I realized from, you know, following different YouTube videos that this was Dream High. So Dream High came out in 2011 uh, and it is an old music drama, you know, youth, kids, singing, dreams, all that kind of stuff. It stars, also stars Susie and Tekyon. Um, and I started watching it on YouTube during my lunch break. And suddenly I was like, you know, I had to stop watching it and go back to work. And it was driving me crazy. All I could think about was Dream High. I was like, I have to know what happens. I need to know. So I would spend my whole hour lunch break watching it. And then I started coming in early to work so that I could watch this show before work because I did not have access at home. And I swear it was all I was thinking about. So because um, I just kept doing that for, I think, um, you know, a week or so, and I got up to about episode three or four, I can't remember. And there's this scene, and I feel like this is the tropey moment that a trope hit home, like a romantic trope. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they did this. This is the moment that I became crazy addicted. And I just I loved it so much. It's so cheesy now talking about it because I think K-dramas are, you know, most K-dramas are a lot more sophisticated than Dream High, but for some reason, this show just stole my heart. Um, and there's this scene where, you know, the bad person is trying to drop a flower pot onto our main character, Hemi, played by Susie's head, you know, off the top of a building, clearly about to murder her. Very weird. Whatever. And and um, uh, Song Sam Dong, who is played by Kim Soo Hyun, rushes out, you know, tackles her, saves her, is really worried about her and then immediately collapses with like blood all over him. And it's like it's so romantic and cheesy and very tropey and just really it just hit a romance spot for me that nothing else was like I used to just have favorite like rom-com movies like, you know, big Hollywood rom-coms and rewatch those things all the time. Um, or, you know, rewatch Disney movies all the time, but I just couldn't find, you know, a consistent stream of new things that suited this taste that I had, that I wanted so desperately. Um, and so this was just such a moment for me. I remember watching that scene and I immediately like paused the YouTube video and I was like, 
I cannot watch any more of this at work. I have to watch this from the comfort of my own home. So I started, um, like I would just go down and in, into the parts of the city and find stores that actually sold, I guess now that I'm realizing it at the time, I didn't think about it, but like just really badly ripped, like bootleg kind of DVDs of K-dramas. But I was like, oh my gosh, you can buy these. And, you know, the subs weren't great. And this was the big problem I had. So this is 10 years ago, basically. And I, I bought Dream High. I brought it home and I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And I think after the first few episodes, like the first few episodes would always be fine. The English subs would work. And then suddenly they would go haywire and they would just be so crazy, clearly just put straight into like whatever Google Translate was able to do at that time, 10 years ago and not cleaned up at all. So they made no sense, but I watched this entire drama anyway. And I watched it with just like my face glued to my TV. I was so obsessed. It's all I could think about. I remember I would like make playlists on YouTube to match like my mood around this show. (laughs) And then when it finishes in this quite open-ended and quite bittersweet way, I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed and then spent, you know, the next forever Googling when was there going to be a sequel to Dream High because I had to know what was going to happen next. Of course, at that time, there was no sequel. Um, There was one later, but it was all different characters and I never watched it because I cannot imagine it could be as good as the first one. Um, But this was the point where, you know, from kind of searching online, I found a few websites, um, particularly Drama Beans at that time, that did talk about other dramas and other casts, um, you know, like upcoming cast lists for new dramas. And this was really when I tapped into like, oh, this is its own thing. And there's so much of it. There's just an endless limitless amount of shows that I can try. And I don't even remember what my second drama was, um, but I'm pretty sure around that time, I think, I don't think, oh yeah, I think it was something like, um, I just started running through all the major classics, I think. So I, you know, I went on to Drama Beans and they were the ones that they're talking about as being the biggest, most classic dramas. So that would be Boys Over Flowers, which of course led to like, following Lehman Ho around K-Drama Land and watching City Hunter and uh, Personal Taste and all his other shows that were out at that time. Um, and then uh, Secret Garden, Coffee Prince, uh, My Name is Song Sam Soon. I can't kind of remember that one. Um, it just, just all the classics. And then I guess I started to kind of discover where my personal taste ran into the historicals, into the youth stuff um, and all the different dramas. Um, So basically that's the end of that story because I think I got, I got insanely addicted very early on, basically episode three or four of Dream High and I was done. That was it. This was my life. But I remember at the time, I talked about it, you know, I tried to, I was just so obsessed. I wanted to talk about it all the time. And I kept talking to it about it to all my friends. And I was obviously driving them insane because they didn't care about K-drama, which I couldn't understand. Um, but I do remember one of my friends at that time, all those years ago saying to me, oh, it's just a phase, you know, like you'll get over it. <laughs> and I always think back to that now and I'm like, oh, K-dramas literally changed my life. They made my life different to how it was before. They have led to me wanting to learn a language, wanting to understand history and culture. They've led to me traveling to Korea and, you know, 
seeing places and visiting and, you know, led to me making friends who are interested in Korea or who are from Korea. Um, it's just, it's crazy how much I think, how different my life is to what it, I don't even want to think about what it would have been <laughs> without K-Drama. All right, that's enough waffle for me. I went on way too long, um, but that's, that's my K-Drama journey and that's my moment of irreversible addiction to these wonderful, wonderful shows, K-dramas. Oh gosh, aren't they good? Amazing. <laughs> Alrighty, so that does bring me to the very, very end of episode 100. Thank you so much for tuning in this week and just the most enormous thank you to those most lovely people who sent me their recordings um, that I was able to play in this episode. You guys really, really worked hard to make really beautiful stories and I loved listening. I just loved it so much. Um, I can't even tell you how much I smiled when I was first listening to all these. I think it's just, it's that feeling of knowing that you're not alone in something that you are so indescribably passionate about. It is so wonderful to know that there's other people out there who feel the same way that I do. I think it's so cool. So thank you guys so much for your recordings. And of course, a huge, huge thank you to all those people who support the show on Patreon. You guys are the absolute best. I appreciate it so much. Um, all right. So after this episode, I am on a little break. Um, so I'll be back in a month. I'm going to take a month off. Um, I've got some busy stuff in my life coming up, so I'll be a bit distracted for a while. But in one month, I will be back with fresh new episodes of the show and a brand new season. So I hope that you will tune back in then um, to listen to some more K-drama waffle. All right. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye.